coffee and today's guest here with me, so we're ready to roll. Welcome to our Circular Coffee Break podcast, where we will be casually talking about everything circular and beyond. When we started the podcast, our vision was to build a community to accelerate the circular development and to provide you all out there with new ideas and insights on circularity and more broadly sustainability. Now, we cannot do that without all of you listening out there at the moment. So we're, we're very eager to hear your thoughts, ideas, feedback, as we're always looking to improve and develop the podcast to bring you even better content going forward. So please leave a comment on your favorite podcasting platform or drop us a note at circularcoffeebreak at gmail.com if you have any ideas or suggestions for what we should be doing going forward or what we should stop to do going forward. Excited about today's episode, my guest today is an accomplished, passionate cosmetic expert and leader. Um, he started off his professional career with a PhD at the Université de Franche-Comté, uh, with a focus on human skin surface properties. From there, he went to Pierre Fabre Dermot Cosmetics in Toulouse, France, before joining Oriflame Cosmetics in Stockholm, Sweden in 2009, where he held uh, roles uh, like Senior Director of Science and Innovation. Since 2022, he is Vice President R&D and Sustainability at Lumine, a Nordic beauty company established in uh, 1970 in Finland. I'm really looking forward to talking about circularity in the beauty and cosmetics industry and more specifically about Luminous Circular Beauty Vision and Products. Welcome to the show, Alain Mavon. Thank you, Michael. What a pleasure to join you uh, today and definitely to join this Circular Coffee Break. It's a pleasure to yeah to talk about circularity that's definitely a topic which we are passionate about it and uh and glad that you created this podcast so let's uh let's deep dive perfect yeah absolutely and and i i have been following uh, lumine already for for many years uh and you have been in the beauty and cosmetics industry for for more than 25 years altogether so Maybe to get us started, could you tell us a little bit about your background, your personal journey, and also how you see the development of sustainability and circularity in the industry? Indeed, yes. Uh, indeed, yes. 25 years plus in cosmetic industries. I think it's turned into as a passion. You know, it's a job, but it's a passion. Mm -hmm. And as you said, you know, I started in, in Besançon in France, uh, focusing on some, you know, physical chemical aspect of skin, uh, joining uh, Pierre Fabre and uh, the cosmetic part for using, you know, it's a farm, initially Pierre Fabre, it's a pharmaceutical company. So very much driven around the active ingredients and kind of the mm -hmm. chemistry aspects. And uh, I, I moved to Sweden. I wanted to expand on, on my, uh, on my, um, international carrier. So joining Oriflame in Sweden was great because we were, you know, in head office, 40 different nationalities working together. And at that time already, uh, Oriflame was much more on focused on natural ingredient. And you see where I'm going as now joining Lumine as 
when I was in Sweden, I was seeing what was happening on the other side of the Baltic mm-hmm. Sea and seeing this, uh, uh, the Lumine, how they have been capable of translating nature into beautiful products, but also with a very strong spin on sustainability, far advanced uh, compared to, to many of us. So, and, and thanks to this question, because it, it made me reflect on, on my career. So, as I said, moving from more pharmaceutical, cosmetic-driven company, Pierre Fabre, moving to more natural ingredients-driven in, in, in Oriflame, and now really deep diving on the sustainability and the circularity with Lumine. So I, I think it's it's more also toward my value, probably also towards what we see uh, on the environment, the global warming, I have all these issues ongoing. And at the same time, I think cosmetics are, are needed for people. It makes them feel much more happy, much more beautiful. So it's how to make cosmetic industry much more responsible, I would say. You know, we are still a strong provider of beauty, of well-being, but at the same time, a strong providers of waste. So we, we need to, and we are we are taking resource from the environment, you know, using natural ingredients. So it's it's how to, to make this balance uh, much more relevant and definitely being more respectful for the environment, still providing people strong, strong products. So yes, so I think my career is driven by these values mm. to, to be passionate about the skin and the beauty, uh, while yeah, while delivering much more responsible product, and that's also why I feel very happy having joined this uh, Lumine, uh, which has been definitely on sustainability for more than for many years, very very deep embedded in, into the, the culture and the DNA of the company. Yeah, absolutely, and and actually, I mean, beauty goes beyond your own beauty, and and can can be found in so many things. So I think there is a natural connection between the industry and and the, the broader care of of the environment. Now, following up on on what you said, climate change, the scarcity of natural resources, and many other issues around environmental and and sustainable development have have basically put a lot of pressure on the industry to rethink the sources of its natural ingredients. Uh, at the same time, every year, large amounts of byproducts with rich potential for, for cosmetic activities are generated uh, in various industries, including agriculture, food, forestry, etc. But they're not really utilized. Um, in, instead, they're, they're treated as waste. Lumine, as you already pointed out, has been a pioneer in circularity and, and it has launched its first upcycled cloudberry extract already in 2001, which is really amazing looking at where we are today. And in recent years, the upcycling trend has taken hold within the personal care industry. Now, where do you see the main opportunities and challenges uh, along the process? Where, where do you see the biggest potential going forward for Lumine, but also the broader industry? Indeed, considering I think the the triple challenge the planet are facing, you know, global warming, which is which is you know we see that every, every day, uh, biodiversity loss. It's it's uh, not fully. We can feel it, but and it's measured now. We have this what seventy percent loss, which is dramatic, and also the excess of pollution. So, I think we we need to be mindful of of the resource available and and the concept of 
circular thinking is probably the only way forward if we want to continue, you know, having business, serving our consumer with beautiful products and not only cosmetic industry, but the entire industry and the entire economy. So circular thinking, circular beauty for us is, is, is almost a kind of a daily thinking. And, and in, in fact, as you said, the first, our first side stream and gradients that reached the market was in 2001. It was not called upcycle because I think the word itself, upcycle, was created at the same time, uh, 20, 20 years ago. Uh, but yeah, and today we have, what, 30, if I'm 29 or 30 raw materials that are upcycled. And I think that's, that's the way forward as these contain a very powerful uh, active ingredients and relevant to deliver performance on skin. Back to this cloudberry extract, you know, uh, it was the cloudberry seed oil. Uh, a, fun, a funny fact, maybe, but before the seeds, when the juice was extracted, the seeds were mm. burned. So it was a way to mm. create some value. But it's so much, much more valuable to yeah, yeah, extract absolutely. that and get this cloudberry seed oil, which is full of carotenoid, uh, flavonoid, which are very great ingredients for for the skins are they are antioxidants so they bring benefits to the skin so i think the point of the challenge maybe the challenge and and or the opportunity are lying together it's it's going probably beyond uh, the the boundaries of the cosmetic field so we need to partner and here we have been partnering and continue this partnership with food industry with forest industry they are providers of various elements but also have side stream and and working together and sometimes it's not easy you know to create these boundaries creating a full supply chain be- between these industries but it's getting more and more uh, um, an opportunity and people seize it uh, so that's where the opportunity lies it's working at the interface working more as into an ecosystem of partners that support each other. And and the example of, we mentioned the Cloudberry, but I can mention another one with Fazer. You know, they have also producing a lot of food products, but they also yeah. have side stream and recently mm-hmm. the full factory to produce Xylitol. And Xylitol is a, is a sweetener, but we use it in our product as well as a, as a moisturizer. It's a polyol, yeah. like glycerol. Mm-hmm. So it's yeah. deliver... Yeah. It's deliver um, hydration. So through that, we can really uh, build um, build ingredients locally sourced and being mindful with the environment. So that's, that's, I think, where there is a big potential. Continue on that journey. I think there is a very untapped resource that could be useful to, to, to create value out of it. Absolutely, and and I think what you mentioned is is really interesting because it's it's thinking beyond. It, it's thinking outside of the box, not using the the traditional ingredients, but think about how can I replace it, how can I do things differently, how can I use side streams, waste streams from from other industries. Um, and and I mean, in your role, you are actually combining R and D and sustainability. And, and that's a trend we're seeing in some companies, by, but, but by far not all companies. Um, how do you see these two areas come together, specifically also in the context of what you just mentioned, the, the ideation of really new ingredients that come from sources that you maybe have traditionally not 
thought about uh, in, in many areas. And where do you see the future development when it comes to sustainability-centric R&D activities in the, the cosmetics and personal care industry? Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, definitely. Uh, and, and in our case, it, start, it was you know the sustainability was driven by the technology side, by the ingredient side, which was naturally sitting under under R and D research and development. And and I think it, it makes sense if we think also about you know calculating the CO two emission. There is quite a, it's quite data technology raw materials driven. Uh, so that's that's why it's it sits I think pretty well. Into into together with the R and D within our organization, we also have the packaging team that is working uh, together uh, within the team. So also we are falling again back to more the chemistry technology side, and all together our products are basically a mix of ingredients in a pack. So it, it makes sense to have that. I think where we are really not started, did I started before? But where what we are pushing and. And I'm not sure if I have the full answer for the end of the question, but I think sustainability is not just an, an, an R&D thing. It's, it's mm. something that should go across the entire yeah. uh, company, you know, from and horizontally across the different functions from the one designing up to the one selling. Um, but also vertically, you know, from the top management to, to every workers, every employee. So it's, uh, I think, uh, and our activities now, it's making it uh, really holistic. And I think, mm. I don't know if sustainability should sit under R&D. Uh, I think we'll continue that way. It works for us. But definitely, what should be sustainability thinking, circularity thinking should be, and, you know, if we think sustainability, it's also the social aspect. So it's something that lies yeah. into res- human resource. No, it's, mm-hmm. it's really integrating all the function, having a clear holistic view, holistic teams that, uh, that are involved, you know, from finance, governance, HR, marketing, production, manufacturing, R&D. So uh, I think we own, maybe we own the drive, but, uh, you know, it, it should be holistic. Otherwise, it would, it would never work. It can't be just sitting in R&D full stop. Mm-hmm. So... Yeah, absolutely, and and I think uh, what, what you're saying is absolutely absolutely right that that it goes across the company and and even more. I mean, what what you mentioned earlier, the ecosystem, the the, the broader value chain, is changing significantly uh, with with circularity in that context. So it needs to go across the whole company and even beyond in in order to work. You, and definitely, if I may add, you know, just yeah, calculating sure. our CO2 emission, you know, scope mm-hmm. one to three, if we want to reduce and that we are engaging in that journey, we can't do it on our own. We need to have the network of, of partners, suppliers, customers and consumer involved. That's how we can reach it. Alone, we would not make any difference. Mm-hmm. Together, we, we will get it. Yeah, absolutely. How how do you see that cooperation? Has, has that become easier as more and more companies and and also consumers are naturally looking at the topic? How how do you see the development in really forming these partnerships and and make them work? Oh yes, yeah, yeah. We see, you know, and and we also have the EU that is that is pushing mm-hmm. the regulatory landscape, the CSRD that has been re- just released this cosmetic. Uh, 
mm. uh, regulation that is coming will push us to be even more active. But already, and definitely in Finland, you know, coming from abroad, I'm quite impressed where Finland has already this almost natural thinking, uh, not just Finnish or within the Finnish state, within the Finnish uh, industry, where it's 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 quite uh, it's almost a given where mm. we, we need to think oh. Circularity, sustainability is part of the way of thinking. It's not something you have to say; it's there. So it's just now how we make it, uh, how we accelerate, basically. Yeah, I know. I, I agree. I agree. And 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 I think that that is that is something that that has to be there. It has to be part of the natural mindset of the natural thinking process. Is it cannot be added on or 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 basically. Uh, required. It, it needs to be something that you have in the culture, that you have in the approach, that you have in the in the thinking. So uh, I fully fully agree. Now you also mentioned packaging, and and uh, that's actually another area where Lumina has has been very active. For example, by introducing a bio based jar uh, for for the cosmetics. How do you see the trend there? Is is there some new developments you you foresee happening when it comes to packaging? Indeed, as I mentioned, you know, and, and cosmetic industry, not just us, all of us are provider of waste also. So we need to find a way to reduce that. And we have at Lumine our strategy based on these five hairs, you know, the reduce, reduce, recycle, replace, renew. And yeah, you mentioned the example of bio-based jar. We did also this uh, pilot with Sulapak, mm -hmm. you know, it's a bio-based yes. and biodegradable packaging. That was very, very interesting a great learning as well uh maybe one of the challenge that's in inherent to our products our products contain water so the the, the product themselves were started to biodegrade the pack uh, <laughs> making yes. the shelf life a bit uh, mm -hmm. shorter than 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 the free mm -hmm. traditionally we have three years here was it was uh, shorter we, we brought it to nine months uh, which was maybe one of the major limitations for that but very relevant Uh, innovation and and setting you know learning how we could go to 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 reduce and and provide more relevant packaging bio-based jar as as uh, is also um, uh, one we have just released uh, this year it's it's uh, the beauty of it it's uh, you know the, the original of the oil instead of fossil fossil is is coming from the Finnish forest so we get back mm. to uh, closer to to the yes. Finnish nature you know it's a yes. side stream from the forest industry and mm -hmm. uh, out of this pulp and, and paper that they are producing there is also some distilled oil which it's extracted so and I, I, I was saying you know there is a discovery of there is oil in the in in the Finnish forest so <laughs> <laughs> but uh, so it's a renewable oil coming from the Finnish yeah. forest and out of this oil you can produce plastic the same plastic as the one from the, the fossil so that need to be recycled but the origin is bio-based and a renewable source which make it uh, great where we see also the trends is to reduce and continue reduce and that's also something we want to embrace today our pack contains double layers but there is space in between so the idea would be to remove this space not to reduce the size of the pack in inside so there will be the same quantity of products to our, our consumer and you know we are not falling onto the shrinkflation but we can shrink the pack by shrinking the pack we will have less uh, plastic 
we can shrink also the outer pack, this box outside. And we did few calculations, uh, and that will be for, for next year, by having a smaller jar, still 50 ml of product inside, a smaller pack will have double amount of boxes per pallet, meaning that we'll use twice less truck to transport them. Yes. So yes. By, by starting small at the beginning, we can have an impact along the full full chain and at the end having less quantity of, of pack to be recycled. So I think that's at the moment where the trend is, is, is moving. So uh, and we see also maybe the outer pack, you know, these carton packs where we have a lot of information about the products. Uh, it might turn uh, digital. That's also there mm-hmm. are some, some trends mm-hmm. uh, or some discussion on the EU because there are mandatory information we should provide to the consumer. But maybe it could be digital, you know, just having a QR code. And then we can potentially move away from this outer pack. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I think I think these are really interesting trends, and and they, at, at the end of the day, all these changes have, as as you just outlined, a, a much broader impact. The smaller packaging does not only have an impact on the usage of packaging material, but it has logistics impacts, uh, use usability impacts, information provisioning impacts, and so on and so forth. So, it's not a very easy approach with with all these different aspects. Now, the cosmetics, beauty, and personal care segment is very personal, very individual. It's, it's basically um, very focused on, on the individual, meaning people need to believe in the products they're buying and in the fact that good care was taken in their development and production. Um, how do you see the market acceptance and demand for sustainable and circular cosmetics and, and beauty products? Do, do you see any differences when it comes to customer groups like gender, age, geography? I mean, you mentioned the, geo, uh, the digital uh, provisioning of information, for example. I would assume that's very different depending on what geography, what age group you're talking about. How, how do you see the acceptance and the and the uptake of sustainable and circular cosmetics. Yes, absolutely. The demand is growing for sure. We are probably the entire industry is probably you know very much driven by marketing. So we are providing our customer with a lot of information, a lot of stamps, a lot of icons to to, de- to demonstrate our product. So and, and definitely it's a jungle, but definitely the demand is there. At the same time, we see that so far the majority of consumer believe that. It's our own responsibility, you know, to be more sustainable. To that's that's definitely the, the the main point, and and we don't see much differences between male and female. Even though I would say it's mainly female that are buying our products. So, uh, and in average, you know, in in Europe, and it's it's mainly UK based data, uh, but I guess it's applying for Europe. That's about only sixteen percent of the consumer, you know, are more likely to purchase a sustainable brand brand or products that are really aligned with the value, meaning they are even, or when I say 16%, it's, these people are willing to pay more, uh, um, even in a challenging financial time at the moment. So, yeah. But if we yeah. dig a bit more into the groups, uh, definitely this uh, 16% go up to 25% when it's come to the Gen Z or the millennials, you know, the younger generation, which are much more aware of the impact of, of being non-sustainable. So it's a, uh, and, and often this one maybe not have the highest income, but they are ready to pay, to pay more. Obviously, if I mentioned the baby boomers or they are maybe not that much 
interested, which is a pity. So we need to, that's part of our job as well, to explain uh, the value of it. So um, then from a um, um, geographical point of view, differently consuming the Nordics are much more interested in sustainable products, probably due to a, a stronger link with nature. Uh, we see definitely growing in Germany, UK. Uh, we are selling in China. It's it's not still a big focus for Chinese uh, consumer, but we see, and there is a lot of. Uh, it's kind of good news. There is we see a lot of weak signals showing that it's moving. They are also getting more and more concerned. So, but yeah, it's not yet uh, uh, mainstream, I would say, and that's I guess we have to be also more mindful to our consumer, we should give them a more simple way to make their choice. Yeah, I think I think it's all about convenience, availability, and understanding at, at the end, end of the day. And, um, and, and, and price, in a way, we, yes, we, yes. we have to embed that in the overall price product and not charge for extra. So it's, it's uh, yeah, I think it's part of our duty to, to define the best Again, it's part of defining a really eco-design products which deliver performance for the skin or the air and at the same time reducing the impact on the planet. We have no choice. So the, I think the company w that would not embrace that will not survive. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. Now, the, the coffee is empty. Be before we read, wrap up, let, let's assume you have a crystal ball and, and you can look into the future. Uh, where do you think we will be in, let's say, five years when it comes to circularity and, and maybe more broadly sustainability in the in the beauty and, and cosmetics and personal care industry? Where, where do you see the developments go? So it was it was a delicious coffee, I must say. <laughs> but I don't have the crystal ball. Uh, but we know the facts. You know, one point one degrees with this uh, summer being the hottest since hundred years, seventy percent biodiversity loss, etc., etc. So. Again, uh, the future need to be circular. That's I, I don't see the other way forward. Otherwise, uh, we will we will reach some some states where it will be tough for us. So we have to evolve. We have to make the products, create design product, build the economy differently. So, in five years' time, I hope we will be, you know, we will be challenged. We we. We state we want to be leader in, in, in circular beauty at Lumine. I hope plenty of other companies will try mm. to challenge this leadership, meaning that we will be <laughs> a lot of companies embracing that journey. And I, I, I'm very, again, back to what I said about Finland, I'm really impressed by the, 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 the fact that, and that probably that's which give us still a competitive edge as Finland is really, uh, I think, a leading country around circularity. So, uh, yes, so that's the, that's where the, the, anyway, where the cosmetic industry should go, you know, Cir circular beauty is the way forward. Perfect. Yeah, I, I really love the, the vision of companies competing, not only on the commercial space, but really competing around circularity and sustainability. I think that that's a very good vision to, to end on um, and, and to look forward to. As mentioned, the coffee is empty, so it's time to wrap up. Um, there's, there's a lot of other things we could still discuss and, and a lot of developments. Um, 
Thanks, Alain, for joining me today and for giving us a, a glimpse of an insight on what's happening in the cosmetics and, and beauty and personal care industry. Thank you very much, Michael, and the pleasure of having joined this uh, circular coffee break. A lovely break. Thank you. Perfect. Thank you. For all of you listening out there, um, I hope this gave you a new perspective on a new industry, some more insights on, on what is happening, what can be happening, what can be done. And maybe you can take inspiration or one or the other idea of what we discussed today and take it forward into your own business or personal uh, context. Um, if you like the podcast, you can help us grow the Circular Coffee Break community by giving us a five-star rating and a positive review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or whatever other podcast platform you're using to spread the word and get more people to join us and hopefully accelerate the transition towards a, a circular world. Um, also, please remember to subscribe to the uh, to the podcast. Um, there's new episodes coming up uh, on a bi-weekly basis, and uh, we would love to basically see you here for all the future episodes as well. Um, so make sure you you stay in the loop. With that, the only thing left is to thank you for joining us today. And I'm looking forward to seeing you all here at the Circular Coffee Break podcast. <music>